Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where the year is almost over, if we've timed this out correctly, which I think we have. I'm Void, and I'm here with I my co-host, so. Beige. Where I think the calendar works? I think so. We're recording Maybe. ahead of time, guys. Uh, today, we are talking about the end of the year stuff. This is our best video games of 2016, our best of the year. We have another best of the year next episode, even though it's going to be the first one in January. It will be our final episode for season one, and then we'll kick off season two the very next week. There's no breaks in our schedule. You guys won't miss us. Um... But yeah, yeah, we wanted to do end of the year stuff. So we started looking at it and we realized that there's so much to talk about for video games and then there was so much to talk about for everything else. So we split it into yeah. two episodes. This is our video game episode. Next episode is going to be the best of the rest. So everything, movies, comics, books, like, you know, any any other media that's not a video game is going to be next week. So this week we are talking about games we played this year. Not necessarily ones that released this year, even though right. almost everything on this list, I think, released this year. There's a couple that I think haven't, so. right? I think a couple that haven't, but for the most part, looking through, it's most of them are this year or last, at least. Yeah, most of them are very recent. I know one of mine is not, but besides that, we're mostly in the ballpark for 2016. So it's the ones that we've played this year that we really liked that we wanted to share, even if they didn't come out this year, but whatever. They were new to us, so we're talking about them because it's our show, and that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Um. Before we got into all the things we really liked, and I don't want to linger on this because I'd rather have a more positive episode, but I did want to talk about the biggest letdowns of the year just very quickly. So it's not the games that sucked the most. It's just the ones that, like, we personally felt let down by for one reason or another. Did you want to yeah. kick us and off? And these with that? may be, yeah. I mean, this may be the kinds of games that you really enjoyed and that you're getting the most personal satisfaction out of. But for us, it's like, oh man. Yeah. So you know, for me, probably No Man's Sky is at the top of that list where I got really excited for it at the when it was coming out. I'd been, you know, all about the kind of procedurally generated world. And after we did our deep dive into it, when we spent so much time on it, I haven't booted it up again. Yep, I'm in the exact same spot. That's that's one of the two that I put in this category for biggest letdowns. I was pretty positive on the first 10 or 15 hours, but by the time we recorded the episode, I was at 40 hours and I have never started that game again. Yep. I think I might have uninstalled it. I might still have it on my computer. It's not on my start menu anymore like it was. So I probably uninstalled it. Yep. Yep. And then I had I also had The Witness because I liked Jonathan Blow's earlier games a lot. I really liked some some of them. And The Witness just was not what I thought it was going to be. It was almost purely a puzzle game. And I thought it was a puzzle mm. game with a world built around it that would get explained by solving the puzzles. And I kept holding out hope that in the end of the game, it would reveal itself and I would get information about the world. And I never did. It was just puzzles. Oh, yeah. And that kind of thing is, I don't like puzzle games for the sake of puzzle games. Yeah, and I I don't know. For me, it goes back and forth. Sometimes I like puzzle games. Sometimes I need something more. And this is one where I definitely needed more. I wanted to learn about the world, yeah. and I never got to. So I was very let down. Even though I held out hope till the end, I beat that game. And the ending let me down, too. So it, it just wasn't what I wanted. And I know that's going to make some people's end-of-the-year lists. And that's fine. Yeah. Because... If you just wanted a pure puzzle game, that's what it is. 
and that's good for you. I mean, I haven't really even heard about it. So, oh, on mine, it was Xenoblade Chronicles 3D. This is one where I know, you know, it's a slightly older game. I bought a new 3DS just to play this game, and I ended up selling the 3DS within a week and getting a PS Vita with that money, and Xenoblade was just not my kind of game. It I see why people like it, but storyline was just so generic and the characters were just kind of like i don't care about you i couldn't have put in like the 70 hours that it was that i was hearing about yeah yeah i could see that and then pokemon go i mean i loved it at first and i uninstalled it don't care anything about it and the reason is that there's not a community for it where i live that i have a friend who lives in west palm beach florida and it is still a big thing there are pokey stops there are like eight pokey stops in this neighborhood and three gyms and he can just make a circle and get all of it and people are playing it and it's wonderful that he and his family go out and capture gems together not i i probably can't i've he looked when he was at my house last week and there's nothing around here okay like yeah. with, there's nobody playing it so for me that's a letdown yeah i could see that one totally depends on your setup and the people around you and the community and the exact place where you live and if there's pokestops near you so yeah i i totally get why that one is there for you um but yeah that's kind of that's the end of negativity for this episode basically yep. we just i needed to kind of get that out there just get it off my chest a little bit before we got into well we were gonna do our top five and then both of us ended up with six and we couldn't decide yeah. which one to cut so we're gonna do a top six i guess and kind of that'll be fine before we do that uh let's burn down a really quick just honorable mentions list so what do you have on here that yep. was definitely worth mentioning but not quite made it to the cut of getting numbered okay the PlayStation 1 games on Vita. Like, you guys have heard me talk about the Vita for, you know, the better part of a year now. And the Final Fantasy games, Xenogears, things like that. The Vita is an absolutely fantastic system, especially for nostalgia gamers like me wanting to go back and play old games that we don't have our systems for anymore. And I love those. That's my honorable mention because I still have it sitting beside me right now. It's just not the best of the best. Marvel Heroes 2016 is still one that I like. I go to occasionally, you know, blow up some supervillains, get a new spider suit, do that kind of thing. It's just fun for a few minutes, go around, blow stuff up, and log out again. And I really liked Broken Age. Like, this may have been one of the first things that I said. This might go into my original Weekly Geekery when we started the podcast this year of Double Fine Adventure, the documentary on its making that was on YouTube that I was binging at the time. And I never beat the game. That I bought it on my iPad because it was $5, and I never ended up beating it. But I'm getting a new phone tomorrow. I'm getting an iPhone 7 Plus that has 128 gigs. So I'm finally going to be able to give mobile gaming a shot, a real shot, to keep them on my phone with a big screen that is good for mobile gaming. And Broken Age is a game I'm going back to because it's a fantastic point-and-click adventure game. And I really enjoyed what I played of it, but my iPad is the iPad 2, so it's super slow. I don't want to play it on a smaller screen, so I'm waiting until I get the sm- slight, like the tablet screen to play, and I'm really looking forward to it. That's a great game that you know deserves an honorable mention because it's super good, and the documentary called Double Fine Adventure is great, so I really look forward to getting into this one again. Cool. Yeah, and I, I still think that we might need to come back after our break here with uh, since we'll have like three weeks of just stuff yeah. built up. We might just do one big geekery episode to kick off season two because we're queuing these up and then we're going to be 
out of recording mode for a few weeks over the holidays. Um, but yeah. So there's a good chance you guys are going to get a big geekery episode of just stuff. Stuff yeah. 2017. It might be fun to just talk about your initial experiences with mobile gaming when we do that too. Because I've That's been a true. big proponent of mobile gaming as long as you find good games. And you still haven't bought in, but I think Super Mario Run has almost got you there. It's true. That one is still fantastic for me. I mean, it may get me there. You're absolutely right. Cool. Okay. So for me, for honorable mentions, Hearthstone gets one. Um, I did some travel very yeah. early in the year, and I played a lot of Hearthstone. And then after that, just the single-player adventures, I still love them. The One Night in Karzan was fantastic, and... I keep going back and I buy every expansion. And if it's a multiplayer expansion, I play for like a little bit. But if it's a single player expansion, I go back week after week and I beat every wing and I just think about it and I love it. So Hearthstone is still up here. Not enough to be numbered. I mean, it's a game that's been out for a while now. Yeah. But the expansions, especially single player expansions, get it on this list for me. And I think that they're a little bit expensive for me. That's why I haven't gone back and it's not on my list is that if they were slightly cheaper, if they were about half the price or if they ever did sales on them it would put on mine honorable mentions yeah too. i could see that um so i also have stardew valley which was really good this year yeah. um i like harvest mood games and this is like the best harvest moon game that's not a harvest moon game and it's a single developer and it's an indie and i just i really liked it but not quite enough to make my list i could see this end up being like number one on some people's lists so it'll be interesting to see as more people do end of the year lists how that turns out and it was almost on my stardew valley was almost on my letdown list oh okay well yeah i think it's you know different people come to that with different expectations yep. um so i also had the vibe the vibe is cool and i like it and i love hollow point and i love audio surf right. but it's that little bit of friction of just getting it set up getting it configured making sure i have the living room space and that like i have yep. you know my kids are in bed my wife is not going to walk into my space when i'm in the middle of it it's <laughs> it, there's just a little bit too much friction there it's not quite there yet and there hasn't been one big killer app that was like a full game all of the games still feel a little bit too arcadey a little bit too much like yeah. one note so even though i love them they don't make the list for this year i look forward to you buying a new house so that you can have a dedicated space for it and seeing if that ups it in the amount of time that you use it. that will be a while but uh that's something to consider if i do end up getting another house at some point i don't know when that would be but yeah <laughs> um something to yeah keep in mind. yeah eventually yeah. uh so civ 6 is on here because civ 6 is still good it's still civilization i still like it but it is just kind of more civ right. um super hot was fun this year it's I don't know how much I talked about it on the podcast. You talked about it some. Okay. with It's the bullet time game, it right? Is. So it's in bullet time when you're not doing things. But when you move, it's in real time. So it's like being in a scene from The Matrix, except you can take time in between actions to just kind of think about what you're going to do next. But then when you move, you're actually moving at full real speed. So it's, I don't know, it's just really cool. It's really stylized. It just wasn't quite enough of a game. You know, like what was there was great, yeah. but it felt like it needed something else that it was still missing. So maybe the sequel to that one will do better. Yeah, if they make a super hot two, that is a game that I will definitely be checking out to see what they do with it. But yeah, that's kind of those are my honorable mentions. So I got to know what your number six is. I mean, that's all of my honorable mentions, too. I mean, you know, it. I don't play nearly as many games as you do. So whenever, you know, I'm 
kind of amazed that none of your Gamefly games made it onto honorable mentions. That even the one that you bought didn't make it there, which is interesting to me because you went through a metric ton of games. Like, I'm pretty sure that you could weigh it out and it would be a ton of discs that you bought and sent back. And not one of them ended up on there. No, I mean, I went through about 50 games in the two and a half or three months that I had Gamefly. And yeah, I mean, I they were kind of the b-tier games that i didn't think i would want to buy but i eventually wanted to check out and it turned out that i am very good at judging these things without playing them because that's exactly what they were even uncharted 4 i bought it and i loved it for like the first eight to ten hours and then i was like okay this is good but it's it's kind of dragging i i've got to be near the end right and I looked it up in a guide. I was like, I'm on this chapter. How many chapters are there? And I was barely even a third of the way through the game. And I just oh, wow. I just gave up. I was like, oh, no, I can't do this for another 20 hours. I'm not that interested. Like, I'm getting bored now. I'm yeah. just going to put it down. So, yeah, that one doesn't get honorable mention either. So, okay, like I said, we have a top six. And the way that it goes is we'll go back and forth with <laughs> six all the way up through one. <laughs> and then I think there's one on the list that I have ranked lower than you. So when we get there, I will skip over it and we will talk about it when it's higher up on your list. Yeah. Okay. So you start us off. Sure, I can do that. So number six for me is Fire Emblem Fates. This one was number five on my list for a long time. And then it got bumped here in the last week and I couldn't bear to actually not number it. So this is why I have six instead of five. Um, It was really, really good. It was like a fantastic turn-based strategy, which I love turn-based games. And I wish that we had more of them on the market right now. It, it told a really yeah. cool story, and it has, it has like, I don't remember exactly what they're called, but they're like social links, basically, from the Persona series, or relationship yeah. levels that you can get up, and the characters, you advance them up relationship levels, which make them fight better together, but it also gives you little bits of story in between fights, and they like become friends if it's or they become a couple or they become whatever, but their relationship grows, and that's probably my favorite part of the game, and fire emblem fates i played birthright first and then i picked up um the second one what's the second one conquest and i played through those back to back so i played like oh that was like 40 hours of fire emblem over the course of like a couple weeks and then i took a break and then i came back and i picked up revelations which is the last campaign that lets you kind of bridge the gap between the two and that's the one that has the true ending to it and that one was good too but the reason that this is six and not up towards the top is because it was like too much. It, it was too much of a game. Yeah. Like I wanted it to be about the length of one campaign. And I think if they had released it and it had just been a single campaign and then I finished it, this game would rank higher than it does right now. I could totally see that because it takes a major investment to get the entire experience for this game. It does. I spent like 75 hours with this game when all is said and done. And it was just, it was too much for this gameplay and this game structure and the story they're trying to tell. Even if it was just two campaigns, I think it would have been better than three. But yeah, that's Mm. why it doesn't quite rank higher. What do you have for number six? Number six for me is actually Oceanhorn that I played through this and I loved this game. It is a cheap Walmart brand Legend of Zelda game. It started as a mobile game and I tried it and I couldn't stand the controls on it. It just does not work. But I got a controller and it was on sale on Steam and I tried it and it was exactly the kind of 
basic Zelda adventure that I wanted. It played like a 2D Zelda in a pretty decent stylized world that was simple and just kept my attention for a while. And it was super fun to play. It wasn't frustrating with a controller and it had just enough replayability to go through. And I just had fun. It was one of those games that was an indie you know, small mobile kind of app game really more than anything else, even though it was ported to Steam and it works on the computer. It was fun and it's probably one of the more memorable experiences I had had this year. And it just surprised me just how good it was to be a Zelda knockoff. That's see, I, I need to give this game another shot after hearing you talk about it for a bunch of weeks in a row. Like I own this game and I think I only gave it a little bit of time and then something happened and I just never went back to it but I do own it on some system so I should probably give it another shot it sounds like once once I got past that initial island and opened it up I was like the story's not there who cares about the story but it's just fun to play but I like the combat in the original Kingdom Hearts games and I don't know if you do I just like as Jennifer put it about Disney Infinity I like the smashy smashy so it's just fun to go around and kill this stuff and explore these I just like that exploration okay I just like the exploration part yeah of that's it. fine that's cool um okay I went first last time so you get to go number five first okay number five is super new and it's actually still part of my geekery this week so it's funny that it is but lego games i just discovered lego games i just found the very first lego game that i can spend time with which is lego marvel superheroes and it is super fun and they're funny and all of you who play lego games but i am I ended up getting Marvel superheroes for like $4 last year and never ended up playing it. And I got Batman three and Jurassic world on green man gaming's winter sale. So for like $7 a piece. So I've loaded them into steam and my friend gave me the force awakens for Christmas, which as of this recording, I'm starting to play it tonight uh, with my wife and we're going to dig in and beat this. And I expect Lego Force Awakens to be super high on my list based on his recommendations that it's the only platinum trophy he has on his PS4. And he, he did 100% on it. He loved this game. So I'm assuming as much as I love The Force Awakens and being able to play it with my wife that The Force Awakens will be my number five or higher, but I don't know yet. But just knowing me and everything else that I'm into right now, I needed a good winter break adventure exploration hunting game. And Lego games are doing that for me right now. So that's why they still make my year end is that I love my winter games. And this one is these are really doing it for me right now. Sweet. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. And I know when we come back, we'll make sure to talk about The Force Awakens after you have a few weeks of it under your belt. Yeah. Um, So my number five is actually the only one on my list that I didn't know if you had even heard of. Have I talked to you about SteamWorld Heist? Yeah. You talked to me about it. I haven't played any of it but you told me all about it's it. really really good it's a turn-based game but it's not straight up turn-based strategy it's like a turn-based strategy but paired with a trajectory game so you control these oh. robots and if you've played steam world dig it's the same kind of um aesthetic but instead of being yeah. on a planet it's in space and you're going around trying to uh well it the, the story kind of changes as you go through, but you're kind of like a space pirate crew for back, lack of a better term. 
and so you're robot space pirates so if that gets you interested at all but the core Uh, of the game is turn-based and then at the end of your turn or mid-turn whatever to attack people you actually have to aim the gun that you have and it follows a trajectory and different guns have cool i like that different guns have different trajectories so if it's a ballistics weapon it goes pretty much straight but you can get like rocket launchers you can get grenade launchers you can get um, shotguns and things like that that all have kind of different trajectory mechanics to them and then one of the things you quickly learn is that you can also bounce bullets off of things so it becomes about can you get an angle and hit this guy? Maybe if he's even behind cover, can you bounce it off the ceiling and then off the wall behind him and then hit him in the back with it? Maybe. I mean, he's a robot and everything around you is made of metal, so you kind of bounce off of everything. And yeah, it was just, it was so fun. Um, I played through it like one and a half times on my 3DS. I played through it once and then I started again immediately because I was still loving it. And I played through probably about another half of a campaign. And I think now it's out on like, everything um i'm pretty sure 3ds was the first system it was out on but last time i checked i think it's on ps4 and vita and maybe ios also it's also on steam because as you are talking i'm listening to you and pulled it up to see what it looks like so it is on steam and i would recommend this on any of those maybe a little bit less on ios because i feel like the trajectory um it might be nice to have the physical buttons like i had on 3ds but Right. That would be on any other system. You could have real buttons. So it didn't use the terrible uh, touchscreen part of it to make you do trajectory with it? I don't think it used the touchscreen at all on the 3DS. I don't awesome. remember using it. So yeah, I don't think it would be quite as good on iOS on a touchscreen. But any of those other systems, without a doubt, I recommend checking out SteamWorld Heist. It's really good. Awesome. I, I put it on my wish list as we talk. Excellent. And then my number four, since we're going back and forth here, is actually ranked higher on your list. So I will talk about it right. with you when we get to it. So what's your number four? Okay. Uh, my number four is Duelist. Uh, Duelist with a Y. It's a card game that's like Hearthstone. And have you tried this? I'm the one who told you about this. Okay. I couldn't remember where I heard about it, actually. I didn't remember if it was you or if it was someone on Twitter mentioning it to yeah, me. Yeah, it was me. But I love Duelist. Like, I fell in so hard love with this because it's the turn based strategy game that's like uh, Hero Academy or anything like that, but it also has the deck building and card collection of hearthstone but the cards seem to come easier in duelist and the they're because you're moving around a board you can actually do a lot with starter cards and it doesn't take nearly the investment that hearthstone does this is a game that i log into every day or two play a couple of games and do my dailies or something like that when i just feel like something i want to do and don't really want to think too hard about it and duelist has really found a place in my heart because it is exactly my kind of game and i love the pixel graphics and the setting too it's got like these strange like sci-fi fantasy actually science fantasy kind of setting and aesthetic to it like i just love it yeah and this is one that i told you about and i think you were on vacation and i told you you have to play this as soon as you get to a computer that you can play it Mm. because i knew you would like it and i liked it but not nearly as much as you do because it's just more your kind of game i think yeah the one thing that i wish that it was is on something that's not pc like i would love to play this Uh, on a tablet or on my phone i would probably be playing it every day and then it would probably make the cut the cut of this list for the year but for me like i just didn't love this game in particular on pc 
and that's the mm. only place you can get it right now. So it didn't. You can get it on Mac. Well, yeah, I mean on computer. You know, I I like this game a lot. I just hope that it comes to mobile at some point. Yeah, that would be really good on mobile. Like I don't, I don't, I understand it outside of programming, but in terms of interface, it would work fine. Oh yeah, it would be. I think it would be superior on mobile. I mean, that's like I know it's going back to Hearthstone when it was an honorable mention for me. I don't play mm-hmm. Hearthstone on the computer. Like it is such a superior experience on the iPad or on the phone. But I mostly play that on my iPad. I actually like it on PC because of the interface and the way that the hands are done. I've never really liked the way hands are done on your phone. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, that's the phone though. Have you haven't played it on the iPad, yeah. right? My iPad is so slow, it's a miserable experience. Yeah, the iPad is the best way to play Hearthstone. So if you, I could totally yeah, see if you it. ever get a new one, you might want to check it out. But I know you're not there. Okay, cool. So that was Duelist, and oh, we're going back and forth. You get number three. What's your number three? Um, my number three is Disney Infinity. They discontinued it this year, but I got Disney Infinity 3.0 for my birthday at the beginning of last year, and oh my goodness, it is so good. Like I'm still playing it. I'm still buying cheap figures when i see them like i just got the yoda one for star wars and it is one of the best star wars games i've played it is just just it's got good superhero games jennifer and i can play it together it plays a lot like a lego game meets minecraft and i don't like building games like i'm not a builder i'm terrible at it i don't tend to enjoy it but it's fun to build things in this game and you know as a grown man playing a toys to life game i I, the games are not made for me, but the adventures are fun and quick, and they it the combat is you can set the difficulty up where it's challenging but not hard, and so I really do enjoy just playing it and being able to have such a variety of just content, you know, superheroes, Star Wars, Disney characters, just doing whatever. I just have fun with it. And that's kind of why I'm liking the Lego games right now is because now that I've started Marvel superheroes, it feels like I'm playing Disney infinity. Like that is exactly what they feel like. And I, when I always said, it, I was like, it feels like that. But now I'm like, they're pretty much clones of each other that I'm just, I just love it. And the lightsabers for the Star Wars part, the force awakens part of it is just phenomenal like those levels are great like it's just so well put together that i'm just so sad that they canceled this yeah this is one that i fully expected to be on your end of the year list because you've been geeking yeah. out about this consistently like the entire year mm-hmm. so no i'm i'm glad that it's on there for you and i'm glad that you like it so much sorry that it's discontinued but we'll see eh. we'll see if more toys to life stuff comes along here at the very least we're gonna get new star wars video games coming in the next year or two yep. and i'm super pumped for that so i guess it's consolation prize yep. a little bit and that's part of the reason i'm excited for the force awakens lego is because as much as i liked force awakens on disney infinity i'm expecting that same kind of game except new again that i can hunt for new stuff and do the challenges and collection and stuff so it's kind of like i'm getting a twofer on this one yeah cool okay so for my number three i have final fantasy 15 and this is not a game that i expect to make many people's end of the year lists because really well do you remember how many nitpicks i had about this game yeah I do. those are still true all of that is okay. valid and i think if you're not coming to this as a huge final fantasy fan those are going to turn you off of it and okay. um but yeah i i loved it like i'm so glad we got another final fantasy entry 
I really liked it. I liked the story in the end. I did a ton of endgame content, which is actually part of my geekery this week. We'll talk about that later. But I, yeah. I mean, I did 36 hours in the main story, and I did most of the side quests in there. And then after I beat the main story, I did another, like, 30-ish hours of playing. Like, which really surprises me. Every time you told me that you were doing that, I really was surprised that you were going back and doing all of that stuff because I thought you would be done. Yeah, I mean, I think I talked about this in the episode, but it's one where the more I played it and the more I thought about it, the more I liked it, even though I had all of these nitpicks about it. Whereas a normal mm. game, if I had that many nitpicks, I would just be done with it and frustrated. But this one, it, it works for me. It's kind of just... It was an ambitious mess of a game, but it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of a beautiful mess, and I kind of love it anyway. And I mean, I'm also extremely biased because I love Final Fantasy. It's my favorite video game series, except for maybe Mario could give it a run for its money. But yeah. like, you know, it's it's just it's very special to me. So I love Final Fantasy 15, and I'm still excited to hear what you think when you eventually get around to it. Yeah, I am. I look forward to playing it based on your suggestions on it. I don't expect a lot out of it, but I do like the story that I heard from Kingsglaive. So I know I'm going to enjoy that part of it because I'm already invested in that world, even if I don't do as many of the side quests and I doubt I'll ever get the platinum on it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just a really good game. And I'm glad that Final Fantasy is main numbered again and it's moving forward. And, you know, my hopes and dreams are that the team that came in and saved this game from development hell, I hope that they are given a blank slate and told, do whatever you want for Final Fantasy 16 and just you guys can do it this time because they got this one out the door and they proved that they could do that. They can finish a game. So I want to see what they can do with the game that hasn't been stuck between, you know, everything for 10 years. Yeah. And I'm truly astonished that it came apart, even though it's an ambitious mess and you can tell that it got caught in development hell. I am proud and kind of astonished that Square was able to put out a cohesive game that despite all of the disparate parts that there's still a cohesion that allowed it to be this good of a game yeah and i mean that is debatable depending on who you are and where you're coming from but yeah right. I, I think it works i mean i think it works enough that i really like it so that was my number three and then i know that our number two is the same same game it is the same yeah. game we both have firewatch yeah, and those of you who have been listening all year long know that Firewatch is one of those that we just keep coming back to because it is so flipping good. Like, it is just one of the best gaming experiences that I think I can speak for both of us. It's one of the best gaming experiences we've ever had. Yeah, I would put it on... It would probably make the cut for my best games of all times list. I don't know where in that cut it would be, but... But it would be there. Probably. That it's just so high quality. It's it's really good. And the thing for me that made this number two, and I went back and forth because, it, I mean, it's been a while. I played so many other games. Like, the you know, a sequel to my favorite series, Forever, is on here, and it's ranked lower. And yeah. it's just, this is the game that has stayed with me the longest this year. I still think about it, and it came out in, like, February. Like, it's been it's 11 months now it's been yeah. a long time you know 10 months 11 months and i still think about it and i still like i've played it twice 
and I'm going to play it again at some point. I don't know when, but I will. It it just it has a story to tell and it tells it in such a compelling narrative way that's kind of unlike any other game out there. I mean, it's also kind of a logical progression of the quote, mm-hmm. you know, walking simulator type of game, but in yeah. the best way possible. Yeah, if anyone had described a game as a walking simulator to me, I would have been like, nah, sorry, that is not something I'm ever going to play. And then when I played this game, it is the one of the best, if not the best, narrative experiences that I've ever had in terms of video gaming. And it's just there is no other way to have made this story as personal and as engaging in any other medium that this alone, this is a video game, is the only way that this story could have been told and had the effect that it does on on viewers, on the audience. That's a really good that point. That it is... That, like, perfect in that respect it has to be a video game whereas a lot of other video games that have a good story and leave an impact on you they could be movies or they could be novels Mm -hmm. or they could be a tv series and they could have the same impact on you firewatch cannot it has to be a video game to have the impact that it does on you and because it that's true and it's a narrative game at the same time it ranks super high and like this is one I like I said I think about it all the time. This is actually what I have set for my PlayStation background on my PS4. Oh, I have a di- wow. dynamic Firewatch theme just because I love the visuals of it too and so the dynamic theme actually changes as you go throughout the day and the sun rises and sets and stuff. And wow, I love it. It's such a cool theme on the PS4. But just because I'm constantly thinking about it. And so this game is way way up there for both of us. Yeah, and if you guys haven't played this yet, please take our advice. Of anything on this list that you hear about that we think is so fantastic that you want to try, I can honestly say that Firewatch is the one thing of all of this that you need to go experience. Yeah, I think I think it's really good. Um, Even though it's number two. Yes, for both of us. So your number one is the one I skipped over because it was my number four. Because I had... Yes. That my top five here was really strong, but... You can talk about it first because it's your game of the year. Okay, my game of the year is actually Overwatch. And I feel like I'm a cliche for saying that it's my game of the year. It's like, oh, you're playing a Blizzard game for your game of the year. But it is the only game that I've played this consistently, enjoyed this much, and still have every bit as much fun as I did the first time I logged in once I get in there. That their new modes are fantastic now. I'm wanting to log in and see what all the holiday events are doing and the, and the costumes and cosmetic items. That the gameplay they've refined over and over again to where I'm not getting frustrated the same way that I was. The community is still terrible. I turn off the chat. I just play my game now. And it is, it's fun again. It is such an evergreen game that even when I get tired of first-person shooters, it's there. When I need to escape for some reason, if I'm having a bad day, I'll look at Jennifer and say, I need to go kill something for a while. And I'll go and I will snipe some people with Hanzo or whatever it is that I'm doing. I'll hack somebody with Sombra. But I'm going to do this and it. I don't want to say that it calms me down, but it gives me a quick way to not have to spend you know hours getting into a narrative it because it's it's not some it's so interactive that i'm not having to wait on somebody else for hearthstone or duelist it's just 
for what I use games for a lot of the times for dealing with my mental health, for dealing with different kinds of anxiety or depression. Overwatch really hits every checkbox for me, but I have to be careful because it's very easy to fall into the one more match kind of thing where I spend way too much time and it becomes an unhealthy way to spend time as opposed to a cathartic way. But just in terms of overall production values, the way that I play games, Overwatch, like I said, hits pretty much every marker for the things that I look for. And I have no doubt that when it comes out with an expansion that they require us to pay for, I'm going to be right there first in line with it pre-ordered. Yeah, and I'm I'm all into Overwatch also. It's fantastic. And I mean, I think for me, part of the thing is that shooters kind of have a ceiling that I get enjoyment out of. And I think your ceiling is higher in terms of just that genre, even though you don't play as many of them and you don't like them as much in general. But I think when one really hooks you, you like it more than I do. And that's fine. Um, Overwatch for me, it's just it's like it's an evergreen game and it's an evergreen game that I know we've talked about that before. It's a game you keep coming back to mm-hmm. between other games when you don't have anything to play, when you just have a couple minutes, it could be anything like this, but evergreen games last you for years and years and years and years. And yeah, for since it came out in like 2007 or 2008, team fortress two was my evergreen shooter that I would go oh, back to. Yeah. And the first day I played overwatch, I knew that this is going to take the place of it, and it did. Overwatch is my evergreen shooter. It's one of my favorite evergreen games right now, and I'm consistently playing it every single week on PC. So there's no way it couldn't make the list. And I expect to see this one on lots of of end-of-the-year lists because it's really good. That is something that I think is really important to look at when you're talking about this, is that what you're consistently going back to. That there are a lot of games that we thought were fantastic at first, first or things that we play through it's like oh that was a wonderful game and it's like eh, i'm never going to go back to that that was fine and then when you're looking at when you're actually ranking them it's like these are the games i'm going to be thinking about or going back to that's what i like about disney infinity and marvel suit and the lego games let me say because even if i don't 100 something if i feel that collector's itch i can go scratch it by pulling up one of these games and if i feel like i need to shoot somebody i can go to overwatch that those are the kinds of games that really hook me that I can invest in and that I can also go in for a moment or two. Yeah, it's just Overwatch is fantastic. Um, uh, Yeah, I love it. I'm glad that it's your game of the year because I felt bad how far down at my list it was. It was just that there were other things that impacted me more and I had to be true to that. Um, But Overwatch, in so many other years, Overwatch would be number one on my list also. Like, I can't understate Mm -hmm. that. It's just that good. And that's I'm also invested in it because of the betas that I played in. I spent a lot of time in beta playing this game and seeing how much better it is at release than it was in beta. And still just, you know, I was sitting on my fit desk a couple of years ago or last year, whenever it was in beta doing this and playing, riding an exercise bike, shooting people that way. And I'm still doing that, that it years later, I'm still doing the exact same thing and having just as much fun. And that is rare for me with video games, y'all. Um, OK, so for me, my number one on my list is Persona 4 Golden. And it's not a game that came out oh, this year. Okay. This is the one on my list I was talking about that it was not a 2016 game at all. I played it on my Vita. my And I don't even know what to say about it. This might be one of my favorite video games ever. It might be my favorite video game. 
but that's a very hard Period. list to put together. So I'm just going to say that it's very near the top of the list because that's true. Like that is, I, I haven't talked about it because I beat it before we started this show, but I beat it this right. year. So I have to keep that in mind when I'm putting this list together. Well, you talked about it some when we were talking about the Vita and RPGs. And you were telling me about all of the, you know, the relationship simulator and the first part of it and how they impact the game. And this is still a game that I'm going to play. This is probably going to end up being a Gamefly game for me whenever I get around to doing that. But this is a game that sounds brilliant in so many ways. And it still astonishes me that a Persona game, because I'm still thinking about the first Persona on the PlayStation, and I know they're not like that anymore, don't get me wrong. I'm still thinking about that as beating out things like Mario for you. That When you say it's like your favorite game, yeah, and that that is such high praise that I can't even fathom that kind of praise. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it beats Mario. I don't know if it does make it to the very top of the list, but... If I think about my favorite JRPGs of all time, the top three are Persona 4 Golden, Chrono Trigger, and Final Fantasy IX. And if I tried to put yeah. those in order, I probably have to put Persona 4 Golden at the top. And if that's true, and JRPGs are one of my favorite genres, then it has to be right up near the top of my favorite video games Man. I've ever played. I mean, just if I stop, I, I stopped and I thought it through, and it, it has to be up there. I think it's impossible for me to ever actually rank my favorite games because they're so different for different contexts and different moods and uh -huh. different feelings. But Persona 4 would make the cut. It would be way, way up there. And something about the story and the relationships and the structure of the game, there are so many things in the game that normally would turn me off of another game, but it just works here, and I don't know why that is which is why it's so hard for me to talk about. I mean, there's a calendar. There's, like, a structure to your week. You have to go to school yeah. and, like, interact with other kids, and it's, like, a Japanese high school thing. Um, the dungeons sometimes are just a little bit too repetitive in their design, even though they're kind of, like, procedurally right. generated. But they go on for a little bit too long, and some of the battle system isn't as refined as I'd like it to be. But the story... And the core relationships between the main cast of characters makes up for all of it. And that's what propels it to be my number one of this year and way up there on my games of all time list. It's also what makes Persona 5 like my most anticipated game of next year is because yeah. this was so good. And even though this is one of my favorite games ever, I can still point to flaws in it. If they can work out those flaws, like the things I talked about with Dungeon and a little bit of pacing and things, then Persona 5 could easily overcome this one and become one of my favorite games ever. Yeah, I just I don't know what to say about it, except that I love it. And it's not like any other JRPG that I've ever played. It's not really like any other game that I've played. Sometimes it's a yeah. little slow. And if you know me, pacing is kind of key to keeping my attention. You know <laughs> I mean, you know this, yeah. right? That's why I'm laughing when you say that. I'm like, a slow game is the best ever. I'm like, who are you and what have you done with my buddy? Yeah, that's why it's so surprising. I mean, there are a lot of slow moments in it, but sometimes the slow moments are just characters being together or it's just kind of building on how you feel about the world or building on your character specifically. Yeah. And... It, it just worked for me. This game just worked for me. I mean, everything from the music to the battle systems to the story, but mostly, mostly 
the characters. I mean, the character relationships are what made this game what it is to me. So I absolutely love Persona 4 Golden. I'm super excited for Persona 5. And like you said before, like when we've talked about this on the Vita and when we've talked about it being the Vita, we've talked about this being on the JRPG stuff. Remember, you guys, that the Vita is a JRPG treasure that most people don't realize that Void is the one who told me about that. But if you like Japanese style role playing games, then look into the PlayStation Vita because that's where they are. Yeah. And, you know, I had a really good conversation with one of my Twitter friends who's a Slack friend who's also a listener of the show, but um, the person who got you into Wildstar, Gigi Chestnut, who's fantastic. And I was talking to her about some Persona stuff and some Vita stuff this week, and she had mentioned how, like, the Vita is actually a really good platform for visual novels also, which is something that as soon as she said it, it made sense, but it wasn't something I ever thought about because I'm not really into that genre, even though it's interesting for me. I've never done like a dive into right. it yet, even though I might at some point. Um, but yeah, that's something else to consider if you're into that genre. So it's not just JRPGs, but it's kind of anything Japanese. The Vita is a really good console for it. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. Because it does so much better in Japan that Americans are, you know, Call of Duty or nothing. Yep. Yep. Um, Okay, so there we go. There's our top, well, it was going to be top 10, but it ended up being top 12 for the year. <laughs> yep. And So you're welcome, folks. You're welcome. And uh, if you want, it's still holiday season. You can give us a rating and review for a holiday present. We appreciate it. It's fantastic. This is the last episode of the year. We're not going to, we had a lot to talk about this episode and next episode and last episode, so we're skipping Geeky Offer of the Week, but... We are going to do a little bit of weekly geekery. So if you don't know by now what that is, that's where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What did you have? Okay, so this is going to be a weird geekery for me. I've been thinking about it, and my friend, I'm, okay, I don't even know how to even start this off, you guys. I'm super hippy-dippy. Like, I am the kind of person who looks at the Force in Star Wars and being like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And I, but I'm really like, I've been going through a whole lot with the anxiety and trying to be mindful and meditation and looking into Buddhism and all of this kind of stuff. But that's neither here nor there, but that's kind of gives you a, a reason, a background for all of this. My friend got me something called the law of attraction planner. And he really thought that it was going to be a hit or miss gift for me because what it is, is a big physical copy of a yearly calendar. I mean, that's all it is, is a planner, but it is based around the idea of self-improvement and becoming better and living the life that you want. And and bear with me here, folks, that this is kind of the thing where I'm all about self-care, where it is looking at places to input exercise into your schedule to look at your day and reflect and see, oh, this is what I did today that was good for me. This is what I did today that I can do better on tomorrow and that you can make a note of that so that when you look at your calendar, it is made so that there are moments in your day when you're looking and planning out your planning out your meetings and whatever it is, you have priorities every day. You have a, you know, a gratitude planner. And I think that this is fantastic for me specifically. And if you're hippy dippy like me, where this is a really important part of my life, that the idea of just, okay, I need to exercise today, but I may not be physically exercising. I may be meditating and doing yoga and 
practicing gratitude uh, for where I am. And, you know, with all the life changes that I've had this last year, this is just about a perfect gift for me because I've got like four different side projects, part-time work, client work, and that's overwhelming for me. And I'm not a very good planner. I'm very disorganized. If you, you're, if you're listening and you have heard of how we do show notes on here with me dumping them in after I've thought about them for a while versus voids planning and going through and organizing all of his having a planner like this that includes those kinds of positive habits and self-care and self-advocacy as well as looking out for other people as part of it with the gratitude and love toward other people and it's all included in the same place with lots of little mantras and achieving your goals and you know ways and exercises of practicing all of this and just examples it's super awesome for me and Adam said that he got it on deal because they were expensive so I don't actually know how expensive this is but if you are at all interested in in this kind of thing this hippy dippy stuff of making yourself better and and being just I don't even want to say a better person or self improvement but just being better doing better this is something for the end of the year that i'm getting into the moment that 2017 begins this is something that i'm going to use to make 2017 a lot better than 2016 which was one of the worst years of my life outside of you guys in this podcast this kept me sane just so y'all know this planner is going to help me maintain that so i'm geeking out about getting started planning out next year and you know self-care the idea of you know starting over starting fresh so yeah that's my geeking out this week that's awesome i don't have anything nearly that deep or philosophical um you should probably one more time say the name of it in case someone heard your big thing and then got inspired (laughs) but forgot what it was called it is called the law of attraction planner it's by a company named freedom mastery and don't let the law of attraction part of that fool you because it is hippy dippy but very very down to earth and organized and not trying to you know be all you know new age okay but the law of attraction planner perfect um so for me i had final fantasy 15 like i mentioned in the middle of the show i went and i did a bunch of end game stuff and i actually got a platinum trophy for this game awesome which i you had to explain to me what a platinum trophy was just for you guys listening yeah so if you're playing a game on playstation network so it's ps3 vita or ps4 um if you get every single trophy which if you play other systems a trophy on playstation is the same as an achievement on xbox or like an achievement Mm -hmm. on steam so it's kind of achievements if you get every single trophy on a playstation game then you unlock what's called the platinum trophy which means you've a hundred percented all of the things that the developers set you up to do with the trophies and this is the first platinum i've ever gotten on any psn game that any like ever yeah any ever and i just um Basically, I beat Final Fantasy 15 and I never look at trophies when I'm just playing a game because I just play it to play the game. But then after I beat a game um, or if I get bored in the middle of it, but it's almost always after I beat a game, I look at the trophies and I see if there's anything interesting that I might want to do. And I took a look at the end of Final Fantasy 15 and I was like five trophies away from getting a platinum. I was like, oh, I'm within striking distance. Maybe I'll do this. So first i just did whatever i wanted to in the end game so i beat the secret dungeon 
I got the black cowl or the black hood, whatever it is at the end of that platforming secret dungeon. Um, yep. I did a bunch of the, there's like the, the doors that are locked in the main game and you have to beat the game first. And then you get to go back through like a second level of a lot of the dungeons. I did that for a few. Okay. Of them. Um, I flew the, the ship around the car that turns into the airship and stuff like that. And then I went and I beat the Adamantois, which is the giant, like, mountain-sized turtle that you have to kill. Uh-huh. And that's the world boss of the game that I think I had hinted at before. I don't know if I ever explicitly said what it was. But, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, so the world boss in Final Fantasy XV, after you beat the game, is the Adamantois. And it's, it's like, the size of a giant, like, rock outcropping. It's almost like a mountain. Like, you're, it's a giant boss. So... I beat that because I wanted to beat it just as a challenge, and that was one of Mm -hmm. the trophies. So all I had left were the four trophies to max out the unique skill for each character, and I was almost there with Prompto, and I was almost there with Ignis. So I did those really quick. That was photography and cooking. Those were easy because I in just playing the game, I was almost there, you know? So it was no problem to push those over the edge and get the trophies for maxing those out. And then... Noctis was fishing and I hate fishing mini games but I I was like you know I might as well try it and see how fast it goes it only took me like two hours to do from like zero to level 10 fishing and then I got the trophy so that was no big deal and then the thing that I put on Twitter over the weekend did I send you this in a text also is that I think so. Okay, so Gladio, his skill yes yes this is the one you sent me a picture of and I just died so laughing his when skill I saw it. is survival and so I looked up what that meant. I was like, okay, well, that's kind of vague. What do you have to do for survival? And the only thing you have to do to increase this survival skill is to make him take steps. So it's so dumb. It's how far he has walked in the game. And it's it's how far Gladio walks, not how far your main character walks. And he always follows you. So what I did was I found a big open area by one of the outposts where it's safe at night. <laughs> and I... I tried with a rubber band first and it didn't quite work. So what I did was I used scotch tape and I taped my joysticks so that Noctis was always walking forward and slightly to the right. So he would do these big circles in this big like open safe area and Gladio would follow him around. (laughs) And I just let that go for six hours. And then I went and I camped once and I got the achievement. So that was the most dumb. It took me the most time. But so dumb. It took me the least effort. I just taped it and then I walked away. But yeah, yeah. If this were an MMO, you would have been banned for AFK macroing. And I've done that kind of thing in so many MMOs that you have to do stupid things like this. Like I've taped down my friend and I, when we were playing Ultima Online, that's why I laugh so hard. When we were playing Ultima Online back when we were teenagers, he wanted one called Arms Lore so that you could disarm somebody and then steal the weapon out of their hand. And you disarm them, they steal out of their bag. And he did this and we literally taped down like F12 on our keyboard so that he just went through and macroed this while we were doing something else. And it was super dumb that you can do this. Like it's bad game design, but it's just funny that even, you know, 20 years later, you know, 15, 18 years later, I guess this is still happening. Yeah. And it was dumb, but also in a way it's almost kind of tradition that there's some way to grind something in Final Fantasy that's easy but time-consuming. Mm-hmm. So even though yeah. it was frustrating and it was dumb, it also kind of made me happy that there was some dumb way to grind out a dumb thing in a Final Fantasy game. Totally see if that. that makes sense, which is weird. Yep. Yeah, so that was... So I have a question. Okay, I have a question about the Santa Man toys. 
is it with talking about it being so big, like I can see two ways of doing this, having never seen anything but a screenshot of the Adamantoys itself. With it being so big, do you just see its head and legs as you attack individual parts? Or is it like Shadows of or Shadow of the Colossus where you're climbing the thing doing all sorts of cool stuff and it's like a dungeon almost in and of itself? You don't really climb it. But you can, like, if you activate the right abilities that you, like, get up by its face, you could be, like, attacking it in midair. Or you could kind of, like... Like, honestly, the clipping is not very good on this fight. You can, like, clip through things and then get pushed back out. So there were some times where I ended up on top of it or, like, on the side of it. But you could tell it was not intentional. It's not supposed to be that way. It just kind of happened. Um, It's more about attacking its face and attacking its limbs and trying not to get crushed. It wasn't actually, Uh, like, it, it it was made out to be, like, a level 99 fight. But you don't need to be level 99 at all. Like, it's not uh, hard. Okay. It's just time-consuming because he has so much health. Yeah, I bet. I bet he does. Be- Honestly, outside of everything else, just being a turtle. Like, it's like, that thing's a tank. Yeah. And instead of a tank, it's a mountain. <clears throat> yep, exactly. So he has a ton of health. It, it wasn't difficult, even though I was kind of worried about it, but it wasn't. It was very quick <laughs> yeah. to do. Yeah, so that was, that was my main thing for Geekery. I also went back, though, and I played more of the Arkham Horror LCG. And I know mm-hmm. there were a couple of people on Twitter and on the subreddit asking me about it. And then I played it some more over the last week. So I just wanted to mention, I'm still playing it. I still love it. I still think if you like co-op or solo like card games at all, um, this is a really great one because you can get in on the ground floor right now. There's no expansions out for it. There's no booster packs out for it. You can only buy the core set right now, which if you're a kind of person like me and you want to be up to date with everything, that's a really good thing. Now is a great time to get in on it. Whereas if you want something that's established, you can go play like the Lord of the Rings LCG, which has, I don't even know how many expansions and packs and chapter packs and stuff like that at this point. I think the official number is bunches. More than that. More than that. Bunches and bunches? Yeah. So Arkham Horror, it's still really good. Um, The first time... Can you do so... Oh, No, the first time I played... I did it was it was basically just me but I was like piloting two decks to try out a two player uh, and to, to make sure that I learned it for multiple people and then the second or and third time I played I did some solo play and then my brother came over so I started like the campaign over and I actually played a real two player game for the first time and that was a ton of fun so yeah this game still gets my recommendation I love it awesome I'm probably going to try to play through everything in the uh the core set over break so i can report back later cool yeah that was going to be my question if you could actually play it solo if it had to be co-op no it's made to be one to four players and it plays fine with any there are a lot of things in the game where it'll say like um a number or like an x amount per investigator so it kind of self-scales you know okay it's more difficult the more investigators you have basically Awesome. Yeah, and it just which is good. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you want. Yeah, or you know, there are things to investigate on a location, and it's like there's two per investigator. Things like that. There, there are just mm. spots where it scales up and down, but it scales in a way that makes complete sense. That one's really good. So I will play more of that, and I will report back. With that, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have the longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. 
And you guys know you want to get email updates so that you get all of our shows in your email. So go to geek2geekcast.net and sign up for our email list. I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's. And I blog and podcast at geekfitness.net, which is also on all the social networks as at geekfitnesscast. We've been Void and Beige with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. See you next year, geeks. Ooh, well said. <laughs> <laughs>